talk about uh some of our favorite graphic novels and then we are going to trade them and it will be followed up next week with a review by the person who gets uh the the first person's pick oh. if that makes any sense it sure will probably later on sure i hope <laughs> or not uh, either way it's content, <laughs> it's content. <laughs> that's the spirit spirit uh, and uh you know maybe we've got a couple new listeners who have come to us via uh the uh the toronto comic-con of uh, which i was hosting a couple panels this weekend and hopefully promoting our podcast a lot by doing so how was so the con Brent? um <laughs> it was great <laughs> i really thought what that person said was awesome Mm. And that costume you saw was great. Oh was yeah, great cosplay. Snowhawk cosplays costumes were fantastic, as usual. <laughs> I think I think that's a really safe bet for me to say. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so I'm Brent. With me is Ryan. Hello. And Kevin. Hi. And Jen. Hello. And Ryan, what's yes. in the news this week? What's in the news? Uh, some stuff. Let's see. Um, ooh, we got trailers. We got a bunch of new trailers. Mm-hmm. We got a Miss Marvel trailer. We did. We did. Um, I've got thoughts on this. Do you? Yep. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants to go good. first? I thought it looked good. Ah. Uh, I uh, I understand that they have made changes to the characters' power sets. I am all right with that. What works on a comic page may not necessarily work in live action, um, and I'm cool with it. Um, I know that there are a lot of uh, people out there who uh, are whining about lots of things, including the fact uh, – oh, there's some Christian group that said – Christians are now no longer allowed on television because a Muslim character is the lead on a TV series. What? You know, God forbid. Oh, oh, it's terrible. So um, all of you uh, racist bigots can go jump off a cliff somewhere. I don't need you because I like Kamala Khan and I cannot wait to see her on the screen. <laughs> and uh, Brent, I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, to me, her power set, looked a lot like quasars from the old comics with the um with the bracelets and the pink glowy powers sort of green lantern-y yeah i wouldn't be surprised um what was quasar uh, like remind me was quasar like attached to the captain marvel mythos at all 
I want that he was just like a cosmic flying around character at the time. I want to say he was attached to the Kree somehow. Could be. I, it's been so long. I don't really remember. Yeah, um, it's probably been 30 years since I've read a Quasar comic. Yeah. So the the main change is that she does not appear to be in inhuman anymore. No. Which which kind of makes sense for two reasons. One, um, the only Inhumans uh, that have appeared on TV remotely connected to the MCU uh, are not really canon anymore, I don't think, if they were to begin with. Mm. Um, it, that's in itself is hard to, to tell at this point. Um, and quite frankly, I've watched one one or two episodes of that show and it was not good so (laughs) with that um so they they had to get out that and two uh, this character is going to be fairly connected to uh captain marvel and like we know that she is going to be part of the marvel's film that i'm not sure if it started filming yet but it's definitely like kind of on the the road to to getting done. Yeah. Yes. And I, I think that part of the reason why her powers look the way they do is so that they will be easily differentiated from Carol's powers when we see them together. Yeah. Kamala's powers are pink. Carol's are yellow, right? And it, like if she has more of a cosmic based power set, it's easier to figure out connections to, mm-hmm. to put her. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I think like it, it's the MCU version of Ms. Marvel, right? It's going to be changed, but the core of the character is going to be the what they have been dealing with since the character originated. Oh, so I'm looking at Quasar's powers on Wikipedia right now. Mm-hmm. Quasar's powers come from the quantum bands. Yes. Uh, and, you know, basically they can... She could bend. He could bend light around him. Uh, he there are. They can do energy manipulation. They were originally created by Eon, and they were left in a weapons depot by the Kree, uh, uh, and brought to Earth. But the whole quantum thing uh, is what's getting me because the next Ant Man film is Ant Man and Wasp Quantum Mania, right? And the quantum mm-hmm. zone is part of that, and we know Kang is coming from the quantum zone. So this could be a link to that. Uh, Jen, what did you think of the trailer? Since you're kind of like, you, you know, the vaguest bits of, of the character, right? <laughs> I know her from uh, Marvel rising, uh, the comic and the cartoon. Um and you know she's shown up a little bit as like a friend of squirrel girls which i like um i've kind of got mixed opinions and i don't know i'm gonna probably reserve complete judgment until i've seen it but i don't really feel like i feel like what defines her as a superhero is her powers and how she comes to terms with it and how she deals with it and i feel like if they've taken away her powers and just given her magic bracelets then that kind of negates that whole side of her backstory. Mm. And rather than using Kamala 
as Ms. Marvel, why didn't they just make a Quasar, like make Quasar a character um, and retcon? I have known nothing about Quasar, but I mean, they could have kept Quasar's backstory and everything and just made him her and changed like that part of their identity. I, I don't know. Like I said, I'm going to hold off judgment until I've seen it. I've like, I love Kamala and I really want this to, to be a good show. And I'm, but I'm like, it's like if you were making an X-Men show, but you decided that, um, you know, none of them had powers. They were just there. <laughs> right. Cause it's the, like the thing that makes the X-Men, the X-Men is that they have powers and mm-hmm. they're dealing with their powers. And the thing that makes, from what I've read of Kamala her struggle not only as a, a Muslim teen and uh, and being a Muslim superhero, which I absolutely adore, I think that's a fantastic representation. But I'm like, it's her coping with being a teenage girl superhero with powers. And if her powers are just like, oh, if I don't want powers, I can take these off. Then, but I, that's, I mean, I could be totally. That's wrong. a pretty valid point. Yeah, I, really I just feel like they're not way, yeah. they're not doing her character justice by shoehorning her in because they want to have a person of color be a lead. Yeah. That's my opinion. But again, I may change once I've seen it. <laughs> now they could even put it so that maybe it's one of those things where the, the bands chose her. Maybe she can't remove the bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder like if, I said, it could be completely, but like, I don't know. It'd be very interesting if they turn out to be some kind of family heirloom. And she just happens, you know, she puts them on and it just happens to activate for her. So it, come, it does come, become down to a genetics thing. And, yeah. it, and you know, it's part of maybe a, a bunch of sets of those type of weapons, like a certain set of rings that we've seen recently. I was going to bring that up, too. There's a lot of speculation yeah. that they could be connected. Yeah. And, like, if they, they could very well spin it in a way that I'm like, Okay, that's awesome. I like that. But from that teeny tiny trailer, those are my worries. I just oh yeah, oh I and just feel like worries. yeah, I just feel like you shouldn't have to remove what makes a character a character just to be like, look at us, we're woke. Like it's, I think there's other ways to do it. <laughs> I have to respectfully disagree with you. I think Kamala Khan's character comes through i think she's a very very popular character and i think she would be no matter what her power set is so i don't think changing her power set is going to change the essence of who kamala khan is i didn't get that from the trailer kamala is a a kid who grows up idolizing the avengers and writes fanfic about them even though in the marvel universe they are real people she still writes fanfic about them (laughs) and uh she's you know and that came through in the in the trailer she's a geeky nerdy kid from new jersey and uh, i think the fact that she uh, happens to be a pakistani muslim american uh makes her that much more interesting uh and not like every other um character who's out there so um i I don't see it as as being like a woke tokenism kind of a thing i see it as them bringing one of their more popular recent characters to the forefront. Because can you think of another character that Marvel has created in the last 15 years that may be as popular as Kamala Khan? Uh, I can't. Miles Morales? Yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man? Yeah, I, think, I think Ryan's got you. Uh, 
Spider Gwen, eh, maybe, but Miles is definitely up there. I mean, mm-hmm. I hope you're right. I hope that I'm wrong, but again, it's just what I got from that tiny little trailer. So. I I will say, like, at least from the trailer, I am kind of surprised by the fact that uh, my guess was they were going to make her a mutant. Mm-hmm. And that was going to be the start of those introductions, but I'm guessing not. So, um, no, yeah. I think her, I, I think her origin is going to be um, hung on the queue. Yeah, on the not the queue, the Cree. Uh, the queue on my brain. Yeah, <laughs> just say who's hung the on the queue could be another Star Trek podcast. <laughs> uh, well. Anyways, All right, I think let's we, go to the next one. Yeah, I think we beat that horse. Um, yep. <laughs> so before we get to the next trailer, we got a little bit. So uh, everybody loves the new Harley Quinn cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've seen of it. Yep. What I've seen of it, same. Uh, apparently, they've announced a spinoff and that's in development starring Kite Man. Yes. So Kite Man is getting his own cartoon. Well, when I posted that to our group chat, I was being a little bit facetious because it's technically not a kite man series that's being created it is a series about the villains bar and kite man is oh. the bartender at okay. the villains bar so oh, really? it's not yeah, specifically it okay. a show about kite man that's too i nice. was just being silly but kite man will be in every episode because he runs he runs the villains bar that's cool <laughs> uh, i uh i ran into a clip from that show a little while ago where it's the Joker and Scarecrow find out Bruce Wayne is Batman. Mm. And the Joker's like, wait, 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 wait. This is... He looks at Bruce Wayne and goes, I ordered an electric car from Wayne Tech two years ago. We were promised the best electric car. Where's my fucking electric car? (laughs) (laughs) I I, I laughed just of how it was done, because it's also... um, Alan Tudyk as the Joker, mm. and it, who is quickly becoming a uh, a great second to Mark Hamill as my favorite Jokers go at the moment. Mm-hmm. Alan Tudyk is a great voice actor. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. All right. One Next. of my favorite roles is him as the chicken in Moana. In Moana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <sighs> Next, uh, we got our first trailer for Obi Wan Kenobi. We mm-hmm. did. Yeah. So, um, so yes, more Star Wars. Yay! Yeah. Uh, we get to see a very, a very, very young Luke pretending to drive something while he sits on top of the house. <laughs> um, we see Inquisitors. Someone yeah, that was happy, cool. Happy, really loud. The live action Inquisitors. Oh, that's me and my keyboard. Sorry. That's okay. Sorry, Jen. The live-action Inquisitors look awesome. Yes. Uh, they're double-bladed lightsabers. I hope they spin them around a lot. Yep. Um, just like in the cartoons. Like helicopters. Yep. We're going to be going to a new... Well, someplace that we've heard of a lot but haven't seen yet. We're going to Anchorhead on Tatooine. Another place on Tatooine. <laughs> um. Now, the reports are that the, not the whole show won't take place on Tatooine, that he will be leaving, which we do see scenes taking place uh, in what appears to be another city on a different planet. So we'll find out. 
So that, that just made me think of something. In A New Hope, I, Luke, I can't remember who he says it to, but Luke is like, oh, you know, if there's a bright, shiny center of the universe, you're on the planet the farthest away from it. Yep. <laughs> and all this shit's happening on Tatooine. It's like, yep. is he just like in his own little bubble? He's no idea what's happening in the rest of the world. There's no. Well, to be there's... fair, Book of Boba <laughs> Fett and the Mandalorian take place well after That's Luke's true. childhood. <laughs> but like all this other stuff must have been happening. Luke just gets these emails from, like, one of his buddies back home and just thinks the guy is completely full of shit. It's like, no way that's happening on Tatooine. (laughs) Fuck you, like, as if. (laughs) How am I still in touch with this person? I destroyed two, uh, I I destroyed the Empire and everything, and this guy's still texting me? Jesus. (laughs) Uh, I was just picturing, like, young Luke walking through the desert and like bending over to pick up something shiny and something like explodes behind him and he doesn't even notice and he's like, ooh, a quarter. <laughs> well, that could be true. Remember, they did kind of live out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. And Luke's <laughs> not the brightest lightsaber in the Jedi Council. <laughs> oh, poor Luke. He's tried his best. <laughs> Trying be the most important word in that sentence. There's no try. Do do or do not. Anyway, uh, that just popped into my head. (laughs) Yes, so we are well on our way to continuing the Marvel, Star Wars, Marvel, Star Wars, you know, Disney Plus releases. I just hope it's better than Boba Fett was. Well, yeah. The last couple episodes of Boba Fett, when it became season 2.5 of The Mandalorian, were awesome. (laughs) But I, yeah. I think this is going to be a little bit more focused, maybe, because oh. it's only it's only six episodes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they, they've got a limited amount of time to kind of make their point. And there's I don't foresee this being like multiple Obi-Wan series because I don't you think it's like, like a one and done. I think it's going to be kind of a one and done because how many times can you like, like can he go off planet, do some adventure shit, and <laughs> just like quickly like sort of skate by Vader's gaze without Vader figuring out like, oh, oh he he's hiding where? Oh that asshole! Or Vader knows the whole time, but he doesn't like sand, so he just nope. doesn't bother. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we know he doesn't like sand, right? The sand gets everywhere. It's probably like, yeah, the bastard can have that sand ball. I don't care. Stay there. Yeah. It's like, Obi-Wan? Oh, yeah, I've known he's he's on Tatooine forever, but I don't like sand, so screw him. Let him rot, because he doesn't know about Luke. (laughs) Okay, next. That brings up that whole other conversation of when he finds out about Luke and, like, gets more information on him is, like, Son of a bitch! <laughs> he didn't even change his name! Yeah. <laughs> the Emperor's just sitting in the corner and he's <laughs> you dumbass. <laughs> yeah, you'd think they'd have a census in the in, in the Empire or something and they'd be keeping track yeah. of all the people. Especially since they're so obsessed with order and rules and, and status quo. Yeah, you'd think that there would be a census. And somebody wandered by Owen and Baru's moisture farm. 
Owen Baru got a kid out of nowhere. She wasn't even pregnant. Huh. And the kid's got a different last yeah. name? That's weird. <laughs> kid's last name is Skywalker. Where have Skywalker. I heard that before? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wasn't there a kid right. who was immaculately the next conceived? One for us. We're going to be here all day just making fun of Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember that pod race that one time. Wasn't there a Skywalker kid that won that, that yeah. <laughs> went to eat plastic or something back in the day? Oh, anyway, okay. <laughs> the Java Classic. I think he'd be more well known for being the immaculate conception baby. Remember yeah. when was but not everybody knows that woman? Ismay had a baby and never had Shmee. sex. Shmi. Yeah, but that could be a regular normal thing in Star Wars universe. Yeah, immaculate conception. Those, those yeah. horny midichlorians are all over the place. No, to them, that's not an immaculate conception. Like, there's no God, no Jesus, none of that stuff. Uh, it's just the Force. <laughs> the Force is having babies all over the place. Force babies. Bunch of horny midichlorians. <laughs> yeah. You know, some of these different alien species could be like, you know, reptiles and stuff that can just, you know, have babies on their own. Maybe. <laughs> We've gone off on a very weird tangent, and I kind of love it. <laughs> the North Nerds podcast, Jen. <laughs> um, okay, next. So um, I don't know if anybody else other than me watches The Boys, but we got a season three trailer, and it was oh. full of gory, gory goodness. I do not watch The Boys. Have you been watching the animated spinoff? No, I haven't. I just wondered how that was. Hmm. Oh. And I'm guessing nobody else really saw this trailer, so we're moving on. Yeah, sorry. I didn't really get into the boys, and I don't know why. It's something I kind of want to give another go at some point. But. Yeah, no, I, I can understand that though. Yeah, we watched uh, like two or three episodes, and yeah, I especially really that the first season is a bit meh. It's um, a little horrific. Yeah, well, that's a little. <laughs> Yeah, but so is the comic book, and for whatever reason, like, I was able to go through the comic final, like, with no yeah. problem. That's just pictures on a page and not, you know, a speedster running through the guy's girlfriend and watching her body explode into, like, splatter and stuff. And paste. Anyway. Yeah, that. Mm. I mean, uh, on, a, on a completely different note, we got a new trailer for The League of Super Pets. Yes, we Yay! did. I really want to see this movie now. <laughs> now, it's part of the big DC shuffle, right? All the DC movies got moved around, including League of Super Pets. Yes, you're jumping the gun on me. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, Super okay. Pets is now coming out. Uh, it's moving from May 20th to July 29th. Black Adam Yay. has moved from July 29th to October 21st. Interesting. Yes. But back to Super Pets. <laughs> Super Pets. The uh, yeah, the trailer is pretty entertaining. When the dog is like going through the Batman origin at the same, you know, his own origin at the same time as Batman, and they like yeah. run alongside each other, and yeah. Uh. And I do like it's Keanu Reeves as Batman, right? Batman, yeah. Yep. Um, who's the, who voices Superman in this movie? Do we know? Yes, I don't remember off the top of my head, but we do know. Um, 
Because I know, Somebody. like, the, the rock is crypto. Once again, confirming. It is the, uh, John Krasinski as Superman. That's it. Oh, okay. That's not going to be bad. Nice. Dwayne Johnson as Crypto the Superdog, Kevin Hart as Ace the Bat Hound, Vanessa Bayer as PB, a pot-bellied pig who acquires the power to grow in scale. She later becomes Wonder Woman's pet. Natasha Lyonne as Merton, a turtle who acquires super speed. She later becomes Flash's pet. Diego Luna as Chip, a squirrel who acquires electric powers. He later becomes Green Lantern's <gasps> pet. Electric squirrel! John Krasinski as Superman... Keanu Reeves as Batman and Mark Marin as Lex Luthor. Oh, that could be cool. I can't wait to see this movie. Additionally, Kate McKinnon, Thomas Middleditch, Ben Schwartz, and Jamila Jamil have been cast in undiscussed roles. Uh, and they, uh, yeah. Uh, and we also know that Wonder Woman, Cyborg, and Jessica Cruz Green Lantern are in the film. Now, I, I will say, like, the reason why I'm so willing to give this a chance is because of how good Teen Titans Go to the Movies was. Yeah. And this gives me the like the exact same feeling of seeing the like those yeah. trailers. We should watch that movie again. It's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and also the DC Superheroes Girl stuff has the same kind of tone. Yeah. I didn't watch I have the dolls for the DC Superhero Girls and I read some of the books for my with my niece, but I didn't actually ever watch the show. Oh no. Yeah. I don't know what's it what's it on it was a web series oh see i have a problem with web series is i forget they exist (laughs) (laughs) i had the same problem with the question wow that that was a really cold diss there jay (laughs) was it i didn't mean for it i forget they exist (laughs) (laughs) if it's not on youtube that's the only real web content videos i look at it is on YouTube. Oh, is it? Okay, Pretty I forget sure. they eat this. <laughs> I'm going back to my first statement. <laughs> um, yep, yeah, so looks like a fun trailer. We all agree we want to see the movie. Uh, did anybody watch the newest trailer for that new Nicolas Cage movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive <laughs> Talent? No. Every- yeah, uh, I did. Um, Every trailer I see for this movie makes me want to see this movie more. Really? Yeah. It, it's actually right now it's being the it's getting the highest uh, or like the, the best ratings from critics of any Nick Cage movie ever has. Huh? Really? That's what I read online this week. Huh. Best reviewed Nick Cage movie ever. And it just looks hilarious because it's. Nicholas Cage playing Nicholas Cage, like over the top Nicholas Cage, um, who gets hired to spend time with this millionaire for his birthday. Um, who doesn't <laughs> in the trailer you see him talking on the phone with his agent or whoever set the thing up, wondering like how weird is this guy and all this stuff, not realizing that the guy driving the boat he's in is the guy who's hired him. Oh. <laughs> and is played by um Oh, crap, what's his name? It's escaping me. Um, that guy from that thing. Yes. The guy well, no, able... it is. It's like the guy from The Mandalorian, isn't it? Pedro Pascal? Which guy from The Mandalorian? Yeah. Is it Pedro Pascal? Yeah. yeah. Oh, sweet. <laughs> so, 
And then like, he's got, like, and he shows him around his house. He's got like a shrine, like, like a museum. There's like this like wax sculpture. And he's like, is this supposed to be me? It doesn't look like me at all. I must have it. I'll give you $2 million for it. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, then we find out that it sounds like this guy is like some kind of uh, wanted international thief or drug dealer or something. And like, there's government agencies that then recruit Nicolas Cage to go undercover and get dirt on him. So it's like Nicolas Cage, the actor, becomes Nicolas Cage in all of his movies that he's ever been in. <laughs> it's 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 the trailer. You have to watch it. The movie looks like it's going to be a must see. All right, we'll watch it. Well, the trailer. <laughs> What's that? What was it? I I just read a review of a movie he did not too long ago. I think it's called Pig, where it's kind of like Nicolas Cage's John Wick, except he's a chef who is going uh, like on like a vengeance spree to get back his truffle like smelling pig. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Truffle pig. <laughs> you can say what you want about the kind of low budget films that Nicolas Cage is making. He is definitely taking risks. But I hope he's at least having fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Castles and Tyrannosaurus Rex skulls don't pay for themselves, right? I know. I know. Does he, st- <laughs> Does he still have the castle? I thought he sold it. I might. I'm not sure. It's like, who knows what crap he's turned that into, though. That's yeah. true. You know, who knows how many castles he owned? Yeah. Um, next. Next. Um, Amazon has announced that it has finally closed the deal to purchase MGM. Cool. We've talked about this deal before when it first came up, uh, but now they've finally got past the, the point of approvals from, like, the European Union and uh, – and the different agencies in the U.S. and everything like that. So, uh, yeah, now MGM Studios is owned by Amazon. Cool. So it'll be interesting to see what stuff they'll uh, start making. And uh, It's going to we'll... show up on Prime. Can I, can, yeah. can I answer that a little bit? It's called Bond, James Bond. No, we talked about this last time. MGM, I don't believe MGM doesn't own Bond. They just they, have the distribution rights they to had Bond. part of it. I think they just have the distribution that Bond is still owned by some people or something. Well, the Broccoli family does control it. Yeah. So maybe that's part of it. Like due to like <laughs> one of those like Spider-Man-esque deals. Yeah. He <laughs> he he Broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that too. <laughs> and then uh but they've you know got, they've got bad. Stargate. Yep. Stargate, Robocop, Robocop, Pink Panther, Rocky. Pink Panther. But uh, yeah, no, we'll get stuff. Hopefully, you know, I, do, I, you know, I would love more Stargate. I've always enjoyed that franchise. That's good sci-fi. And Amazon is, you know, they've made some good sci-fi lately. So who knows? Um, also includes. Uh, Rocky, The Silence of the Lambs, and Legally Blonde. That's a weird combination of movies to lump together. Oh, there you go. Legally Blonde and Silence of the Lambs put together. She can go visit them in the cell. 
Poltergeist, Adam's Family. That's a good crossover. Uh, <laughs> Broadway Melody of 1933. The Thin Man movies. But yeah, so that's official now. Amazon is continuing to purchase the world. Well, it's part of the streaming wars. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I've only got a couple more things here. We have some new casting announcements. Um, this one comes, this one's right up Kevin's alley. So Strange New Worlds, the next Star Trek show, has added a new cast member. Yes. Paul Wesley, formerly of the Vampire Diaries, will be stepping into the shoes of one James T. Kirk. Yep. And that was my quarter hitting my desk. They they haven't said whether it is Captain Kirk or if it is, like, Lieutenant Kirk, maybe. Yes. So. We it really make sense don't know. if it's early. It, wouldn't, yeah. it shouldn't be Captain yet. And we really don't know a lot about Kirk's life pre-Enterprise. Yeah. There's not a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of books written about it, but there's no canon. Hmm. Now, do you think the the dude who's playing Kirk kind of has it a little easier because Chris Pine already sort of broke the ice of other people playing Kirk? Yes. Oh, yeah. Like, in a major way, like, it's, you know, it, it's they're not going to be comparing it to Shatner's Kirk as much. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, I don't see. I don't, yeah, I agree. I think there's not, not as much pressure on him now that there's another Kirk already out there. Yeah, agreed. Um, and they're filming that still right now, right in Toronto, Kev? Yes. In fact, the first picture I saw of Paul Wesley as Kirk, he was. They were filming on the streets of downtown Toronto. Cool. <laughs> They're nice. currently filming season two. I mean, he's not going to appear until next year on this show. Yeah. Oh wow, they're still they're already filming season two. Okay. Yeah. And when is that one supposed to start airing? May the fifth. Okay. And then my last little bit of news. I saw this one just before we started recording. Um, Christopher Lloyd will be joining uh, the cast of uh, the Mandalorian for season three. Ooh. Really? Yep. Yeah. Interesting. No reports on what his role is or what anything, but just that he will be guest starring at some point in season three of The Mandalorian. Cool. The, out of all the shows on Disney Plus, does any of them have like the wildest cast of sort of cameo actors that The Mandalorian has had? <laughs> like. One of the main, like, sort of side characters from the first season was played by Werner Herzog. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just think it's awesome. Like, I, I like the fact that they're pulling talented people from yeah. all over the place. And, like, who doesn't like Christopher Lloyd? Oh, exactly. Like, Back to the Future, Who Framed Start- Roger Rabbit, Clue, Adam's Family... Uh, the Adventures of Doctor Who Bonsai. Yeah, Star Trek Three, right? Yep. Which is um, okay. Side side quest here a little bit. Tangent. Do you uh, 
Kevin would probably remember this maybe more than you other two. But when Star Trek hit, I want to say it was its 25th anniversary, it had kind of like not like a non-award award show. Like they gathered everybody for like kind of a live celebration of Star Trek. Uh-huh. And I just remember one of the presenters was John Larroquette because John Larroquette's one of the other Klingons yes. in Star Trek three. And part of his speech was <coughs> along the lines that it was great. It was one of like my first sort of film jobs. And then we went to the rap party. And even though we had filmed with one another for about two months, Christopher Lloyd had no idea who I was because he didn't recognize me without the makeup. <laughs> but uh, makes sense. yeah, and, and like I, I'm all for it. I, I kind of don't care who he plays. I just I like Christopher Lloyd. Like yeah, there was it's even that, that cheesy kids movie where they they hire him to be the fake camp counselor at a camp ran by kids. Oh shit! Yeah, that I don't was, that's remember old what one. that movie was. <laughs> like, I think he plays like a would-be actor, and that's why they hire him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's wow. You're showing your age with that one, Brent. Oh uh, well, with all of them, really, it's like he's a lot of the movies I reference are like mm-hmm. 20 years old. He showed up. He was in. He was in that Tremors TV series. Oh, was he? Yeah. He was a, a scientist in the Tremors TV series. The Tremor creatures, or at least there was apparently a, a government, secret government lab at like the far end of that little desert uh, place mm-hmm. underground, where they were experimenting, either experimenting on the worms or that's where the worms came from, and that's where like the the mutated like two foot like little flying ones came from. And he was like the mad scientist working there or something. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it wasn't Alrighty. the greatest TV show. Um, Kevin, do you got any more news stuff? No news is good news. <laughs> well, not for this show, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move into our main segment, and that is uh, talking. So the idea was. Well, maybe, since this was your idea, Ryan, why don't you lay it out? Okay. Um, we, in the past, we have done things like the Long Box of Doom, and we didn't really have time to jump into the Long Box of Doom before this episode. Um, but I thought that in the past, you know, we've all brought up our geek picks of different things. and But I thought, you know, it'd be nice for each one of us to just dive into our own collections of graphic novels Pick something we actually like, not a, not a torture to read, maybe reread it if you don't remember all the details of it, and then present it to the rest of us. And then from there, we will swap and give something new a chance and uh, see if we like it as much as its uh, original owner does. Oh, so I was supposed to read something that I really, really like. Well, it doesn't have to be something you really, really like. Just oh, okay. if you own it, I assume you like it. Okay. <laughs> like, right, this isn't my favorite first? trade. Well, I'll go first. Okay. So, like I said, it's not my favorite trade, but I do enjoy it. But it also was the first Ghostbusters graphic novel that I purchased. Ooh. It's also, I think, the first, like, 
graphic novel put out by uh, by IDW um, back in 2009. It's called Ghostbusters: The Other Side. It was written by. Let me dig out the uh, Keith Champagne, and art by Tom Nugent. And so this, in this story, the uh, so it's like kind of like post both the movies. Uh, the art style doesn't resemble the later comics of the Ghostbusters stuff, so like, they didn't really make them look like the Ghostbusters. Like they, you know, kind of, but not very close. Just kind of like kind of a mix between um, the real Ghostbusters, maybe, and uh, and the movie one. So it's kind of like, yeah, you can tell that's who, you know, that's Ray, that's Egon, that's Winston, that's Peter. Anyway, uh, in this story. The there are mob ghosts running a a, you know, a scheme, and the Ghostbusters bust bust in on them and break up their big meeting, and one of the ghosts possesses Peter, and mm-hmm. threatens to uh, to hurt him if they don't let his buddies out of the traps, and ooh. The guy, and then the ghost stays in Peter's body long enough that Peter's spirit um, leaves this plane of existence. So even though they flush the ghost out of Peter's body, his body's alive, but he's not there. Oh. And then um, as part of the other, you know, so as part of the plan, uh, this ghost this ghost comes back with his buddies and they kill the Ghostbusters. They kill the remaining Ghostbusters and throw them in the East River. So they uh, they all end up in purgatory. Yeah. And uh, so without giving away the you know, the rest of the whole story, I'll leave something for the people to read. But um, they find out their you know they find out what the scheme is that these ghosts are running. They run into some uh, some friendly ghosts, which is funny. So since they're dealing with mobsters. Then they'll run into, you know, they run into J. Edgar Hoover and um, one of those other classic, like, American cops that dealt with the mob, right? That they, they, they were sent to purgatory by the, the other guys, you know, like the higher ups. And uh, at one point, you see Peter goes to heaven briefly. <laughs> angels. Um, there's demons involved. There's an old lady that tries to to kill the Ghostbusters in Purgatory. Because if you die in Purgatory, well, then you're really dead. And uh, Winston runs into an old girlfriend in Purgatory. So there you go. Some little things to look forward to. But it's a all in all, it's no, it's not a very long book. I think it was um, either five or six issue so you know new typical trade length uh the art's good it's nice and clean lots of good color to it and uh it's a fun story it's an interesting ghostbuster story that's for sure so that that's my story that sounds interesting I like next that. i'll go next go. oh go, go go ahead jen okay so i was hmm, i was having fun going through my trays trying to decide which one you guys could got to read and i picked uh gem and the holograms Ooh. uh it's an idw book as well and um 
let's see, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Sophie Campbell. Um, and it's the reboot of the 80s comic or cartoon of Gem and the Holograms. And I love this book. So the story is um, a group of sisters, um, Jerrica, Kimber, Aja, and Shana. Shana, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Um, and they have a band. And Jerrica is the main singer and the one who writes all the music and all the songs. But she has horrific stage fright. And she can't sing in front of a crowd. So, you know, they have a big chance to uh, record and, you know, make something of their band. And she just can't do it. Uh, so she runs home and she's all sad. And she finds out that there is this computer program called Synergy that their father had left. And their father has passed away. And um, basically what Synergy can do is create holograms of anyone or anything. And they're completely lifelike uh, and can be anywhere, which is pretty awesome. So she gets these earrings that let her communicate with Synergy. And she transforms herself into Gem. And as Gem, she can be the main singer of this band with her sisters. Is is, is she outrageous? Truly She's truly, truly outrageous. Truly outrageous. Okay. Um, <laughs> then there's an opposing band called the Misfits. And in this book, they're already well established. They're all like, uh, I would say, late teens as well in this book. So they're much younger. Uh, they were adults in the, ca- in the cartoon, to my knowledge. Um, they seem late teens, early 20s, but I could be totally off because I'm old now and everybody looks like a child. Uh, <laughs> so they have there, there's already this established band called the Misfits, and um, the Misfits do a contest called the Mis- Misfits Versus, and what they are trying to do is basically it's the 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 gist of the promotion on the like nice side of things is supposed to be to give new and upcoming bands a chance to compete against the Misfits, this established band. But really, the Misfits just want to prove that they're the best band, and all these other bands suck. Until the holograms show up. And the holograms are awesome. Um, so it, it's a really good story. And I really love I really love that they play a lot, a, around a lot with gender and gender identity in this. Um, so in this first book, not so much. Uh, Kimber uh, is a lesbian and uh, has a romance with Stormer, who is in the Misfits. Kimber is in the holograms. Um, and there's a, a transgendered character as well, but you don't really get her story until much later. Um, all of the characters, when you read more books, because I think there's, what, six books? Five books? Five or six books. And you really get these really interesting backstories. Like, you you figure out why Pizzazz, the lead singer, the lead, the lead singer of the, the Misfits, why this band means so much to her you learn about uh some of the other members of the misfits you know have had rough backgrounds and growing up so you really get some good character stories in these and i feel like when you read the like they obviously you can't play the music because it's a comic book but they illustrate the songs and i when you read it if you're reading the lyrics and you're looking at the pictures you can almost hear what music they're trying to convey which I love. So the Misfits have this very jagged, uh, you know, dark punk kind of a vibe. And like the, the speech bubbles that the songs are in are like 
ziggy zags and jagged and everything's like bright yellows and greens and then when gem and the holograms are singing and playing it's more flowy and bubbly and light and pink and blue and you can really almost read what the song is supposed to sound like and i think they did a really good job of illustrating that that's cool yeah so that's my Ooh. pick it's the first uh, gem and the holograms and Whoever reads it, if you get hooked, I got the rest of them, too. (laughs) Does that make it my turn? Yeah, go ahead. So, if I told you I read a comic by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, what would you think it was? Um, Geiger. Uh, Batman uh, Earth One, or whatever that one was called? No, it's Avengers World Trust. I don't remember that storyline at all. So, in the late 90s, uh, this is pre-Bendis, Jeff Johns wrote Avengers for about a year. Uh, So, this is the first arc of Jeff Johns' run on Avengers. Uh, Gary Frank was not the only artist on this title. You know, in in the four uh, six issues that are covered in this book, there are four artists, including Kieran Dwyer and Rick Remender. Um, the story is that capital cities of the world are, are being, uh, taken from the planet, the whole city. They're just gone. And the United Nations in all its wisdom decides that because all the capital cities are gone and with it, all of the politicians of the world, that they need somebody to run the, run the whole planet so they ask the Avengers to be the, those people, the people who will who will step up and actually run the planet uh, will be the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a pretty classic Avengers lineup in this team. You got your Cap, you got your Thor, you got your Iron Man, you got a She-Hulk, uh, a Yellow Jacket and a Wasp, and an Ant-Man, a Falcon, a Black Panther, uh Carol Danvers before she was Captain Marvel, she was so that's Warbird at that point. Okay, Warbird, and we got uh, Namor the Submariner. He's in here too. There's some classic. Oh no, the Scarlet Witch is going crazy. Kind of plots. There is is the there are some classic. Is the Vision an emotionless android? Kind of plots. There is the should we trust Namor? And should we trust T'Challa kind of plots going on in here? Uh, we also have uh, Jack of Hearts. There's a storyline with the Jack of Hearts in this book, which I think might have been started. I, I want to say that the writers on this book right before Jeff Johns, that might have been the Busiek Perez run of um, I think it was. of Avengers. And I think Jack of Hearts was set up there. Uh, we don't get a lot of backstory on him, just some sort of aftermath of uh, his of, of his being on the team uh so yeah it's like i say it's pretty classic avenger stuff jeff johns is always great at character stuff so he's 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 doing some good stuff there um uh, if you want to read just sort of a i'm not going to say it's a great avenger story but it is a classic avengers type story and any questions that, and a run that gets forgotten about yeah, like we really think of Jeff Johns as a DC guy for the most part, but yeah. like you said, like he worked on Avengers for a year. Yeah, yeah, uh, in about 1998. Interesting. So, yeah, 
Um, I I must have got this at a dollar store or something because it had a, <laughs> it had a five dollar sticker. There's a tag on the back that says Comics and More 1995, but there was a tag on the front until I just took it off that said five dollars. So <laughs> I think I only paid five dollars for it. Good deal. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's a it, like I say, it's oh, there's some there's some Will Scott Lang get his uh, get his custody of his daughter storylines in here. Uh, we oh, got okay. some classic Avengers villains uh, like the Zodiac. Uh, yeah, so uh, John's just pulling from all the eras of the Avengers and making trying to make it as classic as he can, which is what he did did at DC too. Yeah. I think his style is better suited to DC, but there are some nice character beats in here, especially with She-Hulk and Carol. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that is Avengers World Trust. Cool. Cool. I guess that leaves me. Um, so I actually read two because I couldn't decide because they're both books that I don't think anybody here has read. So... Or do we want to go with uh, upcoming Netflix series book or movie that never was book? I'm good with either. The one you like the best. Oh, for fuck's sake. Just do both. Which was, which was the whole point of this. <laughs> well, no, it's I, I started, I read one and then I read the other. I'm like, geez, these would both work well. <laughs> Uh, okay, I'll go with the, so I, I, I recently picked up a copy of Grendel Devil by the Deed, but the one I'm going to go with, I think I've probably mentioned it on the show before, is a, uh, a little book called Guy Ritchie's Gamekeeper. Oh. Now, the name may sound familiar to some people because he directs, uh, some good movies. He's also directed a couple crap movies, but like on uh. the whole, pretty good filmmaker. This was part of uh, the Virgin Comics line from the early 2000s. I think uh, 2007 is when this book came out. And Virgin Comics is what happens when you get the, the comic industry is starting to be on a little bit of an upswing. Virgin Comics uh, is like a company created by Richard Branson and uh, Gotham Chopra, who is the the son of Deepak Chopra, noted like uh-huh. uh, well, I guess what philosopher, like self help guru, something somewhere in that something that like range, that. and and who was also involved with some of the comics, and they had a couple different lines, and one of which was called I, I believe it was called the director's cut, and I think they may have changed it later where they they would have a celebrity involved with a comic book series. So there was Guy Ritchie's Gamekeeper. There was John Woo's uh, Seven Brothers. Um, our uh, our friend Jimmy Palmiotti worked on one with, uh, oh, what was his name? He was in, fuck, he was in um, Brothers McMullen. He was kind of like an indie darling of films there for a while. Um, oh yeah, that it, guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, and like like Dave Stewart, the the guitarist for the Rhythmics had one. Uh, Nicholas Cage and his son worked on one. 
and 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 to varying degrees, uh, it, depending on how involved the the create like quote unquote creator was with it. Um, the introduction to this book kind of gives you a sense of how involved Guy Ritchie was with it. But what makes up for it is the the writer of this book is Andy Diggle, who went on to like oh yeah. I'm trying to remember if he had done Losers yet, or if this Losers would have been his next book. Um, but it is about a a gameskeeper, like a guy who keeps game on the land of a Scottish dude, who like the Scottish estate. So you know, like he calls foxes. He keeps the the balance in nature, basically. Who has a bit of a mysterious past, and. He and uh, his uh, his boss run kind of like a ranch where some wayward teens are allowed, and it moves very very quickly to the the ranch is under attack for something that his boss has, and it unfolds through a combination of flashbacks and what's currently happening of why the ranch was attacked. And how the gameskeeper is uh, dealing with the attack and kicking ass. So um, it's not the best comic ever, but I really enjoy. Well, that's astounding and astonishing. Well, no, so it's like rereading it. Like I, I remembered it being much better than it was, but it's still pretty solid. And it's an action movie. Like it's not a superhero book. It's like a solid action movie that you could probably get away with making now for a fairly modest budget. But the other cool thing is, is the artist on it. Um, and I apologize if I mispronounce his name. Uh, part of the kind of thing with Virgin Comics, which would later become Liquid Comics was they a lot of the artists they got were out of India. It was that at the time India was seen as like this untapped resource of slightly different style of comic artists as well as like putting comic it, it was going to be the next gold mine for uh comic companies to get published in because like they they have a comic reading public that had been untapped. So there was like a, an, an Indian Spider-Man at one point. Like a Spider-Man that would like took place in India, and they had tweaked bits and pieces of the origin to fit the culture and things like that. So uh, the artist on this, Mukesh Singh, is really interesting. This is probably his one of his first books, I would imagine, and it's really kind of different than everything else that was going on at the time. So between that and the story. Because it's not a superhero story, it's it is an action movie like up there, kind of like probably similar in tone if you made it today to John Wick, except with less guns and more knives. <laughs> and it's just pretty cool. And it's unfortunate like that this didn't really go anywhere. In fact, the entire company that you could pretty much sum up Virgin Comics with that. It's like, they did some cool stuff, but really nothing ever came out of it. And this is like a nice artifact from that period of like, yeah, they did some cool things and it's worth taking a look at. Awesome. Yeah, and for those who are curious, I had like, so I have three hardcovers from various series of, of Virgin Comics. 
they are all supposedly limited to 1,500 copies apiece. I have not bought one for more than $5. (laughs) (laughs) They they ended up in remainder bins pretty quick. But this one's cool. The the Seven Brothers one uh, from John Woo is also cool. But this one is the one, like, especially, it's a real nice time capsule of the period, too, between of, like, what Guy Ritchie's story sensibilities were the art that was coming out at the time, uh, John Cassidy was doing covers for the book. So like right be right after planetary, right before X-Men, I think. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, uh, how are we, uh, how are we trading these? I have a spinner wheel. Okay. So, uh, Who's going first? Because I'll spin it, and then whoever it la- it's got all four of our names on it. If it lands on you, I'll just hit spin again. So, Ryan, you want to go first? Sure. All right. Wheel of Destiny. Spin, spin, spin. Woo! I can probably. I don't know if I can share my screen if you want to watch. No, it's okay. Right. It's I trust okay. you. Nobody at home can see it. So. Spin. Also, oh, the web page has sound, and it's very loud. Spin, well, spin, we don't spin. hear it. I can. Oh, shoot, Ryan got Ryan. Yay, Ryan! For the win! Oh, man, that's loud. How do I turn that off? I don't think I can. All right. Spin again! See if there's a flaw in my plan. You got gem! Sorry? You got gem. Woohoo! All right. So truly next is... outrageous. Truly, truly, truly outrageous. So next is me. We'll just do it in the order we did the review. <laughs> You're gonna get Kevin. Kevin will get Brent. Oh, I got Ghostbusters. Woohoo! Well, you can trade. Right. Yay! So now I don't have to spin anymore because then Brent nope. and Kevin can just yep. spin. We will trade. Yep. Default. 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 <laughs> awesome. All right. Good, I wanted to read the Ghostbusters one. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to read the other ones, too, but... I okay. think this is fixed. I wanted to read the Jim and the Holograms book, so we win, Jen. Yay! And I'm saddling... <laughs> I'm saddling Kevin with something he has no interest in. Oh, I might. You never know. I I like a good crime story every now and then. I mean, unless you guys want to just... If somebody else really wants to read Gem, then he could. No, it's all good. Let Ryan read Gem. Yeah. Okay. No. Alrighty. Well, that kind of brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, does anybody have any geek picks that are not related to the books that they would like to share? Yes. All right. Go ahead. I watched the new Pixar film Turning Red. <gasps> Ooh. We We're haven't seen it, it this yet. Weekend. So tread lightly. It is. Uh, I loved watching it for the Canadianisms in it. Um, it's a very Canadian Pixar movie. Uh, I thought that was a fun way to watch. But it also is a really sweet story about a young girl blossoming into womanhood and turning into a giant red panda. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite fun. Uh, um, again, with the haters and the, I can't relate to this because it's not a white man. Oh, my God. Uh, you heard about that um, actual movie review that got taken down? 
No. Because the reviewer put that. This movie feels like it was made just for the director and her friends who were uh, 13-year-old Chinese girls in Toronto in 2002. And nobody else is going to get this movie. He wrote that in his review. Wow. Because he couldn't relate to a a, a child who can't relate to her parents. Uh, but but he had no problem with inanimate objects as protagonists of Pixar films or fish or uh, <laughs> or or emotions. But no, a Chinese girl, that's a step too far. Uh, but anyway, I really, really quite enjoyed turning red. Um, it's got it's got heart. It's got action. It's got humor. And uh, it's got uh, Sky Dome. So <laughs> Sky Dome. Literally, it's actually Sky Dome. It's no, no, I know, I know. On the side of the stadium. Nice. So as it should be. Yep. Because (laughs) and Sky Dome is quite a big uh, part of this movie. Uh, Being young girls, they want to go to a big concert. And being 2002, it's a boy band. Is that historically accurate? Yes. Or is that a good way of like just avoiding calling it like a corporation name? Because I, no, I imagine that's actually there, it, the film is credited at the end. Skydome is a registered trademark of the of Rogers Communications Canada, and it did not change names until after the year this movie was set. Oh, and, perfect. Uh, uh, yes. So this movie is set in 2002. Skydome became Rogers Center in 2004. Maybe because of the events of this film, I'm not gonna say. Ooh. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it on Sunday. If Brent wants to watch it with me, if not, I'll watch it on Saturday when he's not here. Yay! There's also <laughs> a great uh, document behind the scenes documentary on the making of Turning Red, which is quite nice too. This is the first Pixar film with an all female executive team. Ooh. Uh, so I, that's quite interesting and. Uh, Lots of stuff about Domi Shi and her family and her growing up in, uh, uh, like, on Spadina uh, in Chinatown in Toronto. I saw a really fun Twitter thread that a friend of mine sent me about how um, it was obviously tongue-in-cheek about how um, the movie industry shouldn't be exposing people to Canada. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, think of the children. What would they think if they're exposed to this much Canada at a young age? It's really funny. Yeah, uh, that uh, that that there is a lot of Canada in this movie. Yay! <laughs> I love it, love it, love it, love it. I can't wait to watch it. Um, did you have a geek pick, Ryan? Yes. Go for it. I do. Uh, I too watched a movie. Um, it stars a Canadian, so we'll keep that trend going. Is his um, name also Ryan? It is. <laughs> I watched Netflix's new movie, uh, The Atom Project. So it's a nice uh, sci-fi time travel uh, action movie um, with uh, surprisingly good special effects for and, and surprisingly good movie for being a Netflix movie. You know, all these streaming movies are getting better and better. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cast is you know good. We got we've talked about this movie before. It's uh, it's the uh, non-official uh, sequel to 13 Going On 30. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty good. You know, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds travels back from the from the future to change some things in the past to stop uh, his, the, the future that he lives in from happening. And uh, the people, who, of course, that run that future don't want that to happen. So 
and then he runs into his younger self while he's uh, trying to get back into the past to uh, meet to get his father to stop something. Uh, who? Because like I guess his father is the one who invented time travel. Cool. So, uh, yep, they've got these little uh, energy sword staff thingies that are like. Um, at numerous times, the younger version of um, of Ryan Reynolds uh, refers to him as a lightsaber, and he's like, "It's not a lightsaber." And then when he activates it, and it's got like, you know, it's got a hilt and like a beam of energy, and he uses it and like, ta- you know, attacks people with it or defends himself with it, and he goes, "Dude, that's a lightsaber." And he's like, oh, "I, <laughs> he's like, I forgot I was such a nerd." <laughs> And uh, yeah, there's a few touching, there's some pretty touching moments uh, with older Ryan, you know, the older character interacting with his younger self, um, talking to him, about, you know, things with dealing with divorce, well, not, well, not divorced parents, uh, with uh, like as a single mother and you know, being a son of a single mother because the father in that timeline had had died in an accident. So that's uh, you know, so just seeing the older self dealing with. You know his younger self and his all of his ba- all of his baggage that he's carried over the years and regrets um, that you know he hasn't uh, the younger him hasn't done yet and or is in, or is currently doing and so it's, it's a very uh, it's a very t- uh, heartfelt movie very touching and it has action and adventure in it so I would watch it if I were you plus you know yeah it's on Netflix. So if you're already paying for Netflix, guess what? You can watch it for free. Yay. Next. Jen, do you have anything? Um, Did I do Marvel's Mrs. Maisel last time? Mm, don't remember. So. You have done it. I don't know if it was last time. Well, I'll do it again because I can't remember if I did it or not. Um, <laughs> season four. Season four of the Marvel's Mrs. Maisel um, is amazing. Uh, I don't know if anybody has watched the previous three seasons, but you really, really should. So it's about, uh, uh, it starts in the 1950s, because I think now we're into the 60s. Um, so like the late 50s. Or, yeah. Um, or mid 50s. Anyway, and it's about a, a Jewish woman in New York and her family and, uh, you know, her life kind of falls apart and she ends up divorcing her husband and she gets super drunk and goes up on stage at a comedy night and starts telling jokes and decides that her passion and her calling is to be a stand-up comedian. And it's great. She's so funny. Um, so I season three ended on like such a down note for me, like, well, for her too, everything was like, she was like on track and everything was great. And then something horrible happens. And then the season ended and I was like, and then COVID happened, so I had to wait. And so finally, finally, season four came out. And um, I think it's a short season, but I've been binge watching it on uh, Amazon Prime. And that's what I'm going to do while Brent's not around tomorrow, is I think I have two more episodes to watch. So yay! <laughs> <laughs> so yes, you, everybody should watch it. It is so good. That's cool. Uh, Brent, you got a geek pick? Yes, and it was something that you and I rewatched last weekend. Uh, my geek pick Richard is X? the 2004 film Kung Fu Hustle. Ooh. Oh, Stephen yeah. Chow. It's such a good movie. It is so, <laughs> so good. So fun. 
Um, Jen pointed out that its story beats are very similar to The Matrix. Well, okay, so Brent wanted to watch The Matrix, and I'm like, I don't really feel like watching The Matrix. I wanted to watch something funnier. And I'm like, well, let's watch Kung Fu Hustle. So I had The Matrix in my head. And as we're watching it in the movie edit, I'm like, so we just watched The Matrix. (laughs) Only better. Anyway, go ahead, Brent. Yeah, so essentially... The movie is about uh, this gang called the Axe Gang, because they use axes. Uh, gets uh, sort of stumbles into a low-rent neighborhood where five kung fu masters happen to live. And it is uh, partially about the battle between them, and partially about the guy who kind of started the whole thing, who is this like lowlife who wants to be part of the Axe Gang. And had kind of like a, a, a little bit of a bad childhood. But as it turns out, is possibly a natural born kung fu master. Um, it, it is equal parts uh, fantastic and like watching a live action Looney Tunes <laughs> cartoon. It has the baddest ass uh, strong woman character in any film ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on a whole it's just like it's just a lot of fun it's an hour and a half and it's so easy to watch even with subtitles and and that's the other reason we ended up watching it jen had an ear infection last week where she couldn't hear much so but she could read and she could watch a guy like kick somebody to the moon so, <laughs> <laughs> um so on a whole, like like I had forgotten how good a movie it is and how well it holds up, oh, other good. than one kind of like unfortunate and even then I would say mild kind of homophobic joke that's in at one point. But other than that, it really stands up and is really good. So. Uh, yeah, Kung Fu Hustle from Stephen Chow. And if you haven't, if if you've never seen a Stephen Chow movie, he makes some really fun films. Uh, there's that, and uh, Shaolin Soccer is also worth a watch too. Um, and the Kung one with Fu the Hustle. alien. Yeah, what was that called? I think it's called C. E. T. No. Oh, C. J. Seven. Um, it's kind of like a funnier E. T. with like Hong Kong film principles involved in it is, is the best way I could explain it. Uh, beyond that, uh, God of Cookery is also good. Like he's he's one of those guys that his stuff is just enjoyable to watch, and it it, yeah. it isn't taxing. And it's just like at the end of it, you kind of just feel good, you know, about yeah. your choice of entertainment that night. <laughs> Alrighty, well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, next episode, we will be uh, doing at least a brief re-review of the books that we are in, we decided to trade in this episode. And we will cover news and all that sort of stuff. And before, Moon Knight. And Moon... Oh, wow, yeah, yeah. And I might even get a little bit of... Well, for those of you joining us for Toronto Comic Con... I may have already gotten a little bit of insight on Moon Knight in the future slash the past. 
because one of my panels is scheduled to be with the guy who's currently writing the comic book. Ooh. So uh, I, I don't think he'll have much insight on the show other than maybe what he was allowed to do and what he wasn't allowed to do in terms of the comic. So cool. but we shall see. Before that, plugs. Ryan, what other shows do you got going on? Ah, well, you can find me on this channel once a month uh, when I join Ed Campbell, Snowhawk Cosplay, uh, to discuss uh, toys and collectibles on Tales from the Collectorverse. Uh, on this last episode, we had a guest, uh, Miss uh, Elizabeth. Uh, she was on with us, talking about her collection of Harry Potter stuff. And um, the... Um, yeah, so blah, blah, brain fart. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so we talked about toys and collecting, and uh, you can find us there. It's Tales from the Collectorverse. Our Instagram is Tales from Collectorverse, where we post videos and images. And uh, surprisingly, one of my videos, I did a reel of my uh, Iron Man Nano inf uh, Endgame inf Nano Gauntlet. And uh, it, it's gotten the most like likes and views of anything I've posted on there. So it just cool. it just got like I posted that thing like weeks ago, and it just got like another five likes on it tonight. So uh, yeah, you know we we, we Ed does little unboxings on there and shows off stuff in the bunker. Um, yeah, we have a good time. Just come come and listen. Give us your feedback. We're always listening. Uh, you know, listening to everybody and incorporating what we hear or if you want to be on the show sometime you know reach out let us know jen um well you can find me here and i have another instagram page uh called uh dolls and ponies where i post pictures of my collections which is mostly dolls and my little ponies um might be taking some pictures this weekend too Got big plans. So yeah, you can if you want to see what I'm collecting, uh Barbies, Sailor Moon, Star Wars, My Little Pony, you know, things from my childhood that make me go, Oh yeah. Uh, you can look at that Instagram page. Those things are the and, best. Yep. And Kevin, how about you? Well, I am still working on Stage Whispers, the local theater podcast. And guess what, kids? Live theater is back. I've been working in the Woo! box office for a play that's been happening at South Simcoe Theater. There's a community theater show opening in Aurelia very soon. And I am currently in rehearsals for a play that goes up in May called Disaster the Musical. Uh, it's very, very funny. I uh, can't wait to share it with people. Uh, in addition to that, I am still working on Galaxy Class, the Star Trek The Next Generation podcast. And in three weeks, I'm going to be meeting up with my co-hosts. We'll be all in the same room for the first time ever, I think, because we are going to Star Trek Mission Chicago, the official Star Trek convention uh, there in Chicago, and uh, I can't wait. I'm so excited to be going to this convention. It's going to be so much fun. So I'm even cosplaying. Woo. I was convinced because the rest of my crew are cosplaying. I was told I had to, so I, um, I went and bought a Star Trek Picard style starfleet uniform top 
nice. uh, in gold. It's got gold shoulders. So, and I had it shipped to one of my friends who lives in the States who's coming up so she can give it to me there. And I didn't have to pay extra for shipping. So, uh, yeah. So look forward to a convention report by the end of May. Uh, Kev, is that, is that one always in Chicago? No. In fact, until last year, Star Trek Las Vegas was the official Star Trek convention, and it was always in Las Vegas. Uh, Creation lost the right to do the official Star Trek convention, and it's now being hosted by the same company that does Star Wars Celebration. Oh, okay. And so it is going to be moving around the country. This is the first year they have held this convention, and it is in uh, Chicago this year. I have no idea where it will be next year. Um, so... If they were smart, they'd do it in Toronto somewhere. You know, where, since... where two Star Trek series are in production? Exactly. <laughs> Might be easier to get some uh, people that are currently acting in it to show up. Yeah, I you'd think maybe. But uh, we will find out what's going on eventually. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm super stoked to be going to Chicago. We've rented an Airbnb. We've got a four-bedroom house for the five of us. And it's going to be great. That's awesome. So, Brent, All right. what are you working so, on these days? So I've got a bunch of things. The first thing I oh. want to do is thank our lovely patrons. Oh, We've yes. got a couple of them at this point. Uh, if you are interested in helping out the show um there currently there's not a heck of special a lot of special things we we do it's just you know kind of help us with costs and keeping the lights on um so it's it's not very much but if you want to contribute some you can go to patreon.com slash true north nerds and uh special thanks goes out to team woods who is our latest patron before that we had mike hammond Gavin and Dave Reskin, also known as Rex. If you've listened to the show, you've heard his name come up a lot. <laughs> Thank you to all of you. It is very much appreciated. I hope uh-huh. you're, uh, we're making it worth your while because we had a lot of fun doing the show. It just helps, uh, you know, smooth some, th- some bills out and things of that nature. And uh, I have started writing for the Patreon as well. So, uh, That's awesome. It's not going to be like every week um, due to some other things that I'm going to get into in a couple minutes, but it's uh, definitely like a probably going to be an every two week, three week thing. So it's basically allows me to delve a little bit deeper into the things that I like. It's going to be Patreon exclusive for a week and then public a week after that. So the first article is about why I love the samurai films of Zatachi, which, um, yeah, read it and you'll find out why I love them, I guess. There's <laughs> 25 of them. <laughs> wow. And then, uh, then after that, I've got a, I've got another one kind of in my head that I'm working on. So, uh, I will get to that after this weekend because I'm at Toronto Comic Con all weekend. Cool. Cool. Uh, yeah, so there's that. There is my sorta kind of radio show called The Dark Side, which you can find on Black Donnelly Radio. Go to Mixcloud and look up The Dark Side, and uh, you will find me, and you will listen to it if you if you choose to. It's uh, goth and industrial, post punk stuff like that. Um, finally, the last thing I'd kind of like to mention. Um, I don't really get into my day job too much on uh, the show, usually because it's just got nothing to do with it and like a little bit of privacy concerns too, to a certain extent. 
But um, given where my new day job is going to be, I felt that I'd at least throw it out there in case anybody in the area is uh, interested in coming by and saying hi and maybe uh, purchasing a few goodies. Um, Because I got a full-time job at Big B Comics in Barrie. Yay! Um, Yay. Hey, I'm very happy about joining the team there. Um, it's a place that I really enjoy, and the opportunity came up to uh, get full-time employment with them, and it works out like I'm not losing anything by uh, leaving my current gig. I'm going to be doing something kind of new, kind of old, like one of my very first jobs was working at a comic shop. So um, the the pay is good, and the uh, the uh, all the bonuses that go with it look like they're going to be great. So um, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. My schedule's not set yet, but I start April fourth. So if you're in the area, feel free to swing by. And uh, if you if you like, and if you're one of those people who listens to the show but doesn't know where to start with comics, but has always been curious to pick my brain. Uh, now you have a chance, and I will sell you on something that I'm pretty sure you will like, based on like talking to you and listening to you. So uh, yeah, and there there there's somebody else on the Big B team that uh, you might also find familiar. I guess that's my cue to chime in. <laughs> yeah, um, no, well, I wasn't sure how much you wanted <laughs> to say or not, so I um, figured I'd leave it a little bit of a mystery. Yeah. Um. I will. I have also joined the Big B team. My in, in a lesser role. I'm just working one day a week, uh, going in on Saturdays to help, uh, you know, pay them bills. And uh, but I will be there every Saturday unless something comes up uh, from opening to close. So uh, yeah, come on, stop by. It's a good store. You know, we're 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 there to help you. Yep. Jen, should we tell them that we're also working at Big B Comics now? To <laughs> keep that quiet. Yeah, maybe we'll, just we'll... show up one day, and Mark is just wondering what the hell he got himself into. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll we'll do that announcement next time. <laughs> okay, all right, yeah, I can wait till next time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there there's all that stuff, and uh, you know it's. I just like it, like I said, it's a company that I, I have liked, like I've been a patron of their their store for many years, and uh, I'm looking forward to a new adventure and and something dealing with comics. Like it, it probably has come across the in the show that I love comics of all different types. So. No way. Huh. Yeah. Never would have guessed. Hmm. <laughs> So that's it for this episode. Uh, join us in two weeks for the next episode. Until then, uh, try and stay happy, happy and healthy as uh, much as possible. Go read a comic. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Worst ending ever. Hope you're leaving that part in. Thank you for listening to the True North Nerds. You can find us at truenorthnerds.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at truenorthnerds. To contact one or any of the nerds, you can email them at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. Theme music provided by Kirby Crackle. You can find more of their music at kirbycracklemusic.com. If you like this show, please go to your podcast app of choice and rate and review us.